Hey, good looking, smell what's cooking, won't you come on in? Hello, and welcome to Listen Well, a Lovewell podcast. The Lovewell Institute for the Creative Arts is an arts education not for profit where students from around the world have been conceiving, writing, and performing original full length musicals since 1989. Tonight, we've got a new episode in our Lovewell Rewind series, where we take a look back at musicals from the Lovewell Vault with interviews from original creators and the complete audio of the show. Tonight's musical is Blue Moon, a swell musical, written by the students and staff of Lovewell Fort Lauderdale Teen Session 2 all the way back in 2009. Here's the official synopsis of that show. Hot diggity! Something is cooking down at the local diner in Middleton, and it's not just today's special. The Blue Moon Diner is the most hoppin' place in town with the best staff around, with regulars such as the two local private eyes with mustaches and the soon-to-be world-famous dinettes. So, when the owner of the diner is faced with financial trouble, he is forced to do whatever he can to save everyone's favorite hotspot. How far will he go, and what will he risk to win back the Blue Moon Diner? That's right, tonight's musical is a fun-loving, toe-tapping 1950s throwback, with a nice little caper mixed into it. Remember, this show was completely written by the students you'll hear performing it. With the help of their staff, they brainstormed every plot point, came up with every melody, wrote every scene, and choreographed every dance. We were very fortunate this month to have interviewed two former Lovewell students who helped create Blue Moon, and have since gone on to create new Lovewell musicals as both students and staff. Please welcome tonight's guests, Brian Pridgen and Hallie Bernstein. Tonight's first guest is Brian. Brian, welcome. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. I'm honored to be on the podcast. Well, and we're happy to have you. Uh, Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what you've been up to lately? Sure. So um, I just finished up um, school in Pennsylvania um, with my bachelor's in East Asian Studies now, and I'm getting ready to go teach in Japan, teach English, um, and hopefully after school do some arts and stuff. I said that I was interested in that, so, you know, keep that level spirit alive and um, hopefully maybe doing some just art or maybe acting, seeing what clubs I can get into. Of course, um, I'm not that fluent in Japanese that I can just direct and help as much as I'd like to. I definitely love to be involved and continue to do that. And in the meantime, before I go to Japan, I was working at a craft store, just, you know, keep being artsy and stuff. So I stayed true to my artsy track in life, I guess. (laughs) Oh man, that's awesome. Congratulations on finishing school and I'm excited to hear more about what you get up to. Why don't you walk us through your Lovewell history? What was your first show? What was your last? How many were you part of? Tell us about it. Yeah, um, definitely I've had such an interesting past with Lovewell and I've got to watch Lovewell grow and evolve. So my first show was Scare Me Good, and that was my um, first junior show and my last junior show because I decided not to do session two. 
um, just because I was so new to level and I didn't know if I'd like it or not, but I did end up loving it. Um, and I came back for several more years and several more shows. Um, and starting off um, in junior and seeing how everybody was so ready to work, it was so surprising that, you know, such kids my age, we were so young, um, starting to have form all these really complex ideas. And I came in there with some really outrageous ideas. I came up with full show ideas, and I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. Um, but it was really exciting to grow instantly and kind of evolve through other people teaching me how to do things and learning this really cool work method, the level method, if you will, um, about how to write a show and get along and do all this crazy stuff in such a short amount of time. And it was so surprising and so fun and, you know, it went by in the blink of an eye. I remember that. Um, and this um, magical experience where I got to write my own part and um, sing my own songs. And, you know, looking back on it, it's kind of embarrassing and seeing how much fun I did have, but how new I was to it. And um, I did think I fit in um, with the whole Lovewell thing, if I can say that for myself. But um, it was so much fun for that to be my first show. Um, and then I got to go see, I'd never seen a show before, um, a level show before that. Um, so I got to see the teens do their show while we were still um, doing Scare Me Good. And that was so cool to see. And then, of course, I didn't do second session, but I did go see the show, which was really cool. And I got to see, um, you know, what other, like, you know, just a new set of people and what they were doing. Um and how they create a show in their minds and how such different groups of people can create something so cool. Um, and then I came back for the next year, but I was in teens. So once again, I was kind of had to forget everything I knew for the most part and start again and have this new mindset with teens. And of course, it was such a shock going from Scare Me Good, which was a cutesy, board gamey kind of thing to daybreak about jail and um, a man being accused of murder and being on death row. And I wrote myself in as the son of John Delaney, who was on death row. And that was such a growth of acting ability in my mind, because I, you know, went from this silly um, role of the Mermaid King in Scare Me Good, and then going to... Um, the sun and having to channel this emotion that, you know, I obviously don't know that. And I had done a little bit of acting before, but this really being a new experience and um, channeling this sad younger character that I wrote myself and um, had such great support from other people um, and the other actors I was with who are now my friends and it's really great. But um doing such sad scenes in practice and then having to laugh it off by playing games and making funny jokes and conversations at lunch, um, which was super fun. But uh, I really did enjoy that transition. It was hard, but definitely something magical. And then, you know, I did a few more shows after that. I've done nine shows total, and my last show being Dear Berlin, which was so sad because... Um, I had kind of grown up for these few years with Lovewell and um, not being able to do shows anymore, write shows and be in them was kind of hard. But, you know, I did come back for 
Project Legacy to help out and do costume, which was really fun because, you know, I do love costumes. As I said, you know, I kept on my creative track for doing artsy kind of stuff, and it was really fun. And, of course, I'd love to come back someday and do some more stuff, maybe script stuff because I do like writing or media because I do love media. All my showcase portions uh, that we did in every session were media-based. I rarely did something that's straight out of that. So maybe doing that or, you know, maybe doing costumes again because I have grown and um, learning how to work with materials and stuff since then. And obviously just, you know, I'd love to do anything for level. You know, I could pick up trash or just stand there and hand out tickets for all I care. I'd just love to be back in the process. But um, there were so many shows that I got to do and I'm so honored and grateful that I found Lovewell through my friends and I got to do so many shows and take on so many different roles that I got to write myself and see how they fit with other people's roles and it was just so much fun and I could you know go on about every single show but um I don't think we'd hear about that. <laughs> Thanks for walking us through your uh, level history there. I can say with absolute certainty that nobody had better creative showcases than you did. It was always one of the treats of the summer to get to see what video you had cooked up. Um, so I'm glad you got to hit on that a little bit. What was it like writing Blue Moon? It was our first, second session teen show. It was written right after Daybreak, which you mentioned earlier was a much heavier show than most people have been used to. Can you describe the process of writing Blue Moon to us? Of course, yeah. Blue Moon will always hold a special place in my heart. It was such a fun show and kind of different than obviously the past two shows that I had done, but um, I had never experienced the difference between um, session one and session two that people had told me about. They're like, oh, they're very different in dynamics, and it's just, you'll see when you do it, and um, it was such a small group. It was a very intimate group. Um, I knew pretty much everybody, which was surprising and nice, but um, I did make some new friends, which was really cool. It was people that had returned um, mainly, and it was super fun to stay with my new friends and kind of have a light-hearted, with some darker undertones, but uh, for a good lesson at the end. But um, it was so different and so much fun, and writing a character that fit but was a little goofy and crazy, just because I'd been so confined by uh, Jonathan Delaney's son, and I wanted to kind of have a more lighthearted role, but also not to, like, take away from what the show was actually trying to do. And I think that I kind of slid along the board of that, but um, people do remember that role quite often. People will come up to me and mention that they remember me in that role, and it's just kind of super fun to know that I brought a smile to people's face and kind of a darker show, but also still bring the fun and you know, once again, write my own character and really bring that character to life. And, you know, this was um, obviously a, a different process. Every process is very different. Um, and this process was just fun. And, you know, we all had agreed we're like, we'd love something a little bit lighter this session. And we were throwing around ideas after idea after idea. And we all got kind of got attached to this diner idea. And I, you know, I love this kind of not old-timey feel, but um, this nuclear family and um, a diner, which I think is so 
kind of romantic in a way, or not romantic, but it's just cute and family friendly and like a slice of life kind of show um, with, you know, a bit of drama, of course. And that was actually um, a show my brother was in as well. And getting to act with him was so much fun Um, and see how he uh, took on his role of being a big gangster guy and watching my brother be a villain was probably one of my favorite parts besides getting to play a cat burglar who was an actual cat. Um, but it was such a fun process and I do remember crying afterwards because it was so fun and I'd gotten so attached to this little intimate group and, um, I just would love to do that show over again if I could play my character and just, you know, sing, uh, the iconic songs that I got to sing and hear the music again and be with everybody again, um, or be with different people and do it in some other place, maybe Japan when I go there. <laughs> you really knocked it out of the park in the summer of 2009, Brian. I I'll still to this day will tell anyone who will listen about how good your monologue work was as uh, John Delaney's son in Daybreak. And then in Blue Moon, you played one of the single greatest characters in Lovewell history as a cat burglar who was an actual cat. Uh, what was it like creating that role and helping bring it to life? Yeah, those were two very different roles. Um, Jonathan Delaney's son, who I named Hamilton, but I don't think we used his actual name in it because it was kind of a funny thing. I, I think one of the actresses that had to say my name just didn't say it because um, it was a serious time and she kept laughing every time she said Hamilton. So we left that out. But his name was Hamilton. And I knew that um, I wanted to bring a light side and show this um, vulnerable side to this man on death row. Obviously, if he's convicted and we show the side of his mind and we show um, the inmates of the prison and death row and um, all these kind of gruesome aspects to it, but I really wanted to show that he is sweet and he is a good person and his son um, was a part of it and he does know that he's a good guy And at the end of the day, but um, so that's really the main reason I wanted to do that and people seem to like that so they let me do that and be Hamilton Delaney. Um, and I did apparently make a few people cry. I remember after the show, people told me that that was a very emotional time. And um, I had written that monologue by myself for this younger character who I kind of imagined to be the same age as me, or maybe a little younger. It was very emotionally challenging just because every time I would read it and um, try to bring life to it, I would get emotional because, you know, I would imagine this poor kid, um, not really understanding why his father is on death row and, um, is possibly, um, given the death penalty. And it was just very emotional. And I remember I did have trouble memorizing it because I'd never had to memorize such a long monologue, but I really wanted this character to be important and it to go off well. So I remember putting a lot of effort into memorizing it and, you know, I got some tips from some veterans who had been in level for a really long time about how to memorize monologues and do that kind of stuff, which was really nice. And I got it down pat and um, people remember it. I didn't mess up. I don't think so um, too many too many times, but it was super great having that role. But then switching to Blue Moon and knowing I wanted to write a lighthearted character, um, 
and he was a very fun character to write, and I obviously wanted to be a burglar of sorts, but, uh, you know, I couldn't be a burglar who just sits there like that, so I kind of had to give this kind of imaginative, lighthearted side to having a cat burglar be kind of like a cat and have cat-like mannerisms, but, you know, still be able to go into this diner and interact with everybody, steal things, of course, and that got written in like some salt shakers were missing, and you'd see me in the scene before stealing and putting in my bag, and I just thought that was so fun and um, sneaking around, and you got, I got to be on stage for a lot of time just fooling around and being mm, this character and bringing it to life, and um, wanting it to be lighthearted but still kind of serious that um, I do get together with everybody and I do help drive along the plot near the end, uh, which was super great, but, um, you know, I was worried that I was going to take away from the show, um, but people gave me great ideas and I helped bring those ideas along, and which was really cool. So having a fun character but also be useful to the plot was super fun to play, and that's the great thing about doing Lovewell and Lovewell shows. You can write your character and be whoever you want, but at the same time, you can make it fit. So if you want to be some crazy character like me, who wanted to be a cat burglar who was dressed like a cat and sang meow, meow meow a bunch of times in a song, you got to do that, which was so fun. And that's that'll always hold a special place in my heart that I got to write what I wanted to write and say what I want to say and do pretty much everything I wanted to do and even more and be outrageous, but um, still help contribute to such a fun, great show. Is there a song or a moment from that show that still stands out to you today? Oh, there's such a long list of things I remember so fondly from that. But I think uh, two of my favorite things were first um, popping up behind the counter and um, kind of pretending I was part of... This wasn't scripted at all, but, you know, I would kind of ad-lib and do things. But popping up behind the counter and messing around and kind of stealing stuff while pretending to take orders or like tasting the pie that was a real pie on stage and having fun and then having the other characters kind of go along with it and ad lib and me writing funny notes on the um, order pads that the waitresses had and that was super fun and um, just kind of pretending to be a cat was just so fun but also be human and um, I think that the opening um, how we set it up to be kind of mysterious and like, what's going on? How's this show going to play out? It's called Blue Moon. You really wouldn't know if it was going to be a serious show, a dark show, or a funny show. So we had it start off dark and mysterious, and then it turned to this fun, jivey opening number. And I got to do some really cool dances. I was put in the front for one of the dances, and that terrified me. Because I had never been the strongest at dancing, but... I was put with a really fun partner, and it was super fun to do and learn, and I really gave it my all, of course, but uh, it was just so much fun to kind of trick the audience and then trick them again by having this really fun opening number, and I think that'll stay with me for a really long time. Um, and of course, you know, my iconic stealing the knives and the forks and the dishes song and just having a whole verse of me meowing was certainly very iconic and super fun, and that's the one people bring up to me a lot, and of course, that's very fun, but um, kind of an insider's look that a lot of other great moments happened. 
anything else you'd like to add before we wrap things up? Yeah, um, I'd like to add that, you know, I've said it kind of a little bit in this podcast already, but Lovewell really has shaped who I am and really opened up a new creative side to me. You know, I always loved being creative and Lovewell really fostered that. All the shows I did and um, helped me, you know, learn how to manage time and kind of work alongside with other people and bring in other people's ideas as well as mine and find like a really happy medium where everybody can be happy and um, everybody gets to do what they want to do. And I'll always take that with me. I use it all the time, everything I've learned from every single show. And um, I'm really proud that, you know, I've been a part of writing so many shows and got to do so many processes. So, you know, it really was true. What everybody said, that level really stays with you and you go back to level eventually. And maybe I could even bring level to Japan or come back and do level here or both. Uh, let me be the first person on record to say I fully support the idea of a Love All Japan program. Uh, I will book my ticket as soon as we're done with this interview. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Brian. We uh, we really appreciate it and glad to hear you're doing so well. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for letting me be on the podcast. This is really exciting and fun to reminisce about Love Well and how much I miss it and how much I look forward to seeing it grow in the future. Up next, we have Hallie Bernstein. Hallie, welcome to Listen Well. Hey, Tyler. Thanks so much for having me. What have you been up to lately? Tell us everything. So I graduated college in May with a degree in dance and a degree in film. And then about a month later, I moved to New York City to try and make both of those careers happen. So I'm in the city working, auditioning, and seeing what I can do. Okay, so this might be a Herculean task, but can you walk our listeners through your Lovewell history? When did you start? What shows did you create as a student or staff member? Paint us that whole picture. I'm going to grab some popcorn because uh, your history is pretty lengthy. So actually, I knew about Lovewell a couple of years before I started as a student because my sister started um, in 2001 in the show Sidetracked. It took me until 2004 to be the right age to join Lovewell. So in 2004, I became a junior student and helped write Art Divided, Art United. And then I stuck around throughout the junior program. I was in all of the shows. And then in 2009, I moved up to the teen program, which was the year of Daybreak and Blue Moon. And I was lucky enough to be a part of both of those processes. I stuck around until 2013 which is when I graduated and my last show was The Infinite Dark and before I graduated I was lucky enough to be a staff member for the university school's lower school programs so I choreographed The Plant and a couple of other shows with them and then I came back one summer and I helped choreograph The Curse of Concordia, which was a summer program in Fort Lauderdale for the junior program. And now I, because I moved to New York, I've kind of taken a different route in my Lovewell life. Um, and I'm, I've gotten the opportunity to edit together some of the shows that they worked on this summer. So even though I'm far away, I'm still 
trying to keep up with everything that's happening with Lovewell. Uh, whenever I reflect back on Blue Moon, I think of it as a show that genuinely felt like the personification of joy. It was just so silly and fun. What was the process of creating this show like for you? Yeah, Blue Moon was actually one of my favorite processes. I It was my first year in the teen program, and we had just written Daybreak, which was this dark, really intense show. So I think we all went into the process wanting to do something lighthearted and just so much fun. And that's exactly what Blue Moon became. And having just finished Daybreak, which was my first official teen show, I was able to kind of let loose and not be so nervous because there is a lot of nerves that come with transitioning from the junior program to the teen program. But I had gotten those out of the way with Daybreak. So with Blue Moon, I was finally able to really just be myself and have fun. And that's the most important thing that I took away from that process. Do you remember any particularly funny stories happening backstage during the show or throughout the process? For instance, I remember during the title talk, there was um, what is still to this day my favorite title suggestion of all time. And that was something tasty this way comes. Um, do you have any funny stories that stick out to you today? It's actually funny that you bring up title talk because this is one of the title talks that I very distinctly remember. And that was because my mom made it her duty or her mission rather to finally title a Lovewell show. And she was part of the title talk process and she brought up this title, Let It Ride. And while it didn't become a the title of the show... It did become the title of a song, which I believe was the act two opener for the show. And I distinctly remember performing this song because Ambar Torres and I, I would always grab a ketchup bottle off of a table and throw it at her. And it wasn't choreographed. It was just one of those things that we decided to do. And every time I think of that show, I actually think of that because it was just so much fun and... It sounds so silly now, but throwing a ketchup bottle across the stage was one of my favorite memories. Oh man, we're all still chasing after that elusive title idea. Oh man. What are some of the lessons that you've learned at Lovewell that have stuck with you today? I think the most important lesson that I learned at Lovewell specifically actually has been the most important lesson that I've learned in my whole life. And that is just to be nice to people and see the good in them and find the good in every situation because it's really easy to dwell on something that bothered you or someone said something that you don't necessarily agree with. But if you're able to take a step back and find the good and just find a nice way to handle that situation, it makes life so much easier. Anything else you'd like to add? I just want to emphasize the importance of Lovewell, and despite the fact that I may have moved and haven't been a part of the writing process in a few years, I know that it's a community that I can always go back to and a family that will always be there for me, and that's a very special and important thing to me. I couldn't agree more. Thanks so much, Hallie. Thanks, Ty. Oh, the show is about to begin. All right now, please no talking during the show. Unwrap any hard candies now and take as many pictures as you'd like because the actors are at places and the curtain is rising for Blue Moon, a swell musical.
it's our super secret technique. <laughs>
I've told you time and time again, I can't have you in her, here harassing my customers. Now, I've got no problem with you setting up your business, but I've got one to run too, okay? So figure out who's taking my sugar shakers some other way. This case is a whole other kind of evil. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you hear the circus was in town? I was thinking, I haven't taken Alice out in a while. Maybe we should all go. Yeah, I know they're in town. They came in looking for the O'Malley's free breakfast session. Yeah, what are you talking about? Somehow, even a traveling service is aware that you're a sucker for a soft story and an empty stomach. Well, you know my motto. Yeah, I'm familiar. Give free food to everybody who walks through those doors. Well, that's a bit <laughs> of an exaggeration. <laughs> the Jason family came in yesterday. They bought four cheeseburgers, soda pop, four slices of pie, and french fries, and didn't pay for a dime. I'm going through the list of IOUs, and I can't. They're a mile long. Look, I wouldn't worry my pretty little head about it if I were you. I've got it under control. Even if you did, and I don't think you do, what about this stack of unpaid vendor bills? The ice guy, the produce guy, the milkman. They go back for more than three months. So what are you saying here, Jane? That I can't run my business? What I'm saying is that we can't keep those doors open if we keep going on like this. You know, I, I know it's been hard ever since this is ridiculous. I'm not listening to this. All I'm saying is that I know she handled all the financial matters, and I know it's been tough on you handling the business and taking care of Doombug, and I'd like to help. Look, I appreciate it, but I've got it under control. You can't Look, Jane, just because I lost one wife doesn't mean I'm looking for another one. All right? Enough!
tributes later. My love for you was strong like the Russian Empire. For you, I turn America in big fire. Like a communist flag for you, my heart beats red. I dream of day to come that we may wed. For we belong together, like hammer and sickle. I am your watchful eye. Love your faithful spy. I'm not Stalin. I'm not 
that sort of time. Well, that's a shame. Because something might happen to that little girl of yours inside. Lay one finger on her, I swear I'll- What? What are you gonna do? Yeah, what? You got 20 miles <laughs> when they look. That's it. And, uh, good luck at the races. Look, I can't do that anymore. Even if I wanted to, I'm out of dough. Well, that's a shame. Because, uh, if I were you, I'd be trying to find a way to place a big bet tomorrow down at Cosgrove Downs. Looks like, uh, that's the only way out of this place. Look, if you could just give me a little more time, I no, swear it. No, no more time. Give me my money or face the consequences. you enjoyed Act 1 of Blue Moon. For tonight's brief intermission, we'd like to remind you of some of the exciting things happening in the Lovewell community right now. Registration is now open for all of our 2018 summer programs. Head to www.lovewell.org and click Apply to book your spot now. Scholarships are available for all programs. We will be hosting an intergenerational workshop on Saturday, March 10th at Nova Southeastern University. The details are still under wraps, but listeners of this show 
will love this workshop even more than usual. Be on the lookout for more details later this month. Lovewell staff member and former guest of this podcast, Laura Galindo, has just released her album, Tastes Like Dreams. Head to Bandcamp to give a listen to these six fantastic songs. This month, we'll be heading to J.P. Taravella High School in Coral Springs, Florida to write a brand spankin' new one-act musical to be performed on March 2nd at Taravella High School. Be sure to be on the lookout for more information soon. You're not going to want to miss this one. As always, we'll be posting new episodes of Listen Well, a Love Well podcast on the first Thursday of every month. So be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, we're also available on iTunes where you can leave a rating and a review as well. If you like this show, let us know. Please, I would love to see a review. I have nothing to do but read those reviews. Come on, please. Ooh, the lights just flickered. All right, it's time to get back to the show. Please enjoy Act Two of Blue Moon. From the wide world of sports, this just in. Nikachi Sakos had a drop out of the race race to an injured leg. Again, this is Chet Chanuga reporting live from Foxborough Downs. He had today what is sure to be a spectacle of spectacular horse racing proportions. Anyone who's anyone who's anywhere who isn't a square is down here today placing a bet trying to make a fortune. Who's it gonna be? Hey, hey, hey! Stay tuned to find out. And now a word from our sponsor. Yeah. 
Terry Fluffy here comes to us. That's no way to speak to your future boss. Yeah, you'll be a great boss, boss. <laughs> Listen up. I'm going to say this once, and I'm going to say it real slow. Your boyfriend, O'Malley, he's down on the track losing his diner to me. He's not my boyfriend, and he's not going to bet on anything because I'm not going to like him. Now, you see, I can't let you do that. It'd be bad for my business. You see, the more he bets, the more he loses. The more he loses, the more money I make. And he always loses. Yeah, O'Malley's a loser. <laughs> he's not a loser, and you can't intimidate me because I'm going to go stop him whether you like it or not. I'll just stay with little Alice while you're gone. You wouldn't dare. You know what? You guys are right. If he's set on gambling away the diner now, there's nothing I can do, right? You two take a look all you want. Mm. I knew you'd see it my way. Come on, little Jimmy. Let's go check out the ice box. Yeah, boss. He's got your way. <laughs> <laughs> Last bet, I promise. Now 
You're clearly a spy. <laughs> so, in return for us not ratting you out, you're going to have to do us a favor. Like I was saying, if we got the whole place, you'd be able to maximize the place's potential. You know what I'm saying, little Jimmy? Yeah, boss. Let's maximize it. <laughs> See those guys over there? We're going to need you to stall them. Stall them?
diner. It's never been about the diner. Just, just don't hurt my daughter. And don't hurt anybody else in here. This is my problem, and it always has been. I can't believe you guys did all this for me. Nick. Look, I'm sorry I didn't come to you earlier, and I'm sorry you had to come to all this. It's just, Nick, I, we did all of this because we care about you. Don't you realize everything you've done for us?
Thank you. 
Thank you all for joining us for tonight's episode of Listen Well, a Lovewell podcast. Special thanks to Brian and Hallie for joining us at Lovewell HQ and giving us a great interview. Be sure to subscribe, and we will see you next month for more brand new episodes of our show. That's right, I said episodes. Get ready. Until then, this is Tyler Grimes reminding you to listen well, create well, love well. Good night.